Welcome everybody to the Tag Your It podcast. I'm Ray Ray. And I am Dave. And as you can see, we got this whole thing working again. We got all the yeah. cool little uh, scroll thing going on 10 minutes prior to let you guys know that we're getting ready to come on That's and right. give us time to share. And, and in, all that kind invite of other people so, to share, so please right. share, share. Yeah. Well, I'm used to the camera being there, but it's here now. Yeah, so, yeah it's over, um, it's over it's there. It's right there. I mean, I've so, got, I, all I, good uh, stuff. It's my house. I get the easy pick, right? That's right. Good, good, so, good. But yeah, so we, we got that back going and everything, so that's awesome. So we're hitting on all cylinders tonight uh, to talk about the necessity of Scripture. Um, that's Boom. kind of like our major topic tonight, but there's a few uh, things that we wanted to get out of the way before that. Something happened with me, and then also we had the world of J.D. Greer uh, it's been exploding when we had we've had time to think about it so we're not necessarily reactionary yeah we're not being reactionary like yeah. the folks yeah. at Charlotte uh, Reformation yeah. Charlotte I feel like they just again they like to create dumpster fires wherever so yeah. we're going to be as charitable as we can but we do think that there were some major issues with some of the statements that were said we are not J.D. Greer apologist. He has done many good things. I'm mm-hmm. a big fan of Who's Your One. Really enjoyed hearing him preach, but I think that he has mishandled this. And I think that as we are called to do by Scripture to reprove and rebuke, mm-hmm. uh, I would like to offer some what I believe is reproof for his statement. And the thing that does kind of bother me is it is Part of, and his podcast is part of the LifeWay Leadership Network, which means that cooperative program dollars are going to this. And therefore, as a Baptist, we should be attentive to the way our cooperative program dollars are being spent. I believe that misteaching occurred, and I believe that it needs to be corrected, and I do so. I hope, hopefully very charitably, doubt that he'll ever get wind of this, but I do believe that there was an error here, and so it should be yeah, called out. So even if he doesn't get a hold of it, you guys... Um, can uh, think about this information and there was like something that I haven't heard um, talked about or written about or anything um, that we were talking about in the discussion over the issue yeah. tonight um, that'll come out. Um, it's pretty awesome. So hopefully maybe, I don't know if uh, we can coin something, but hopefully that comes out and that'll be awesome. Uh, maybe something that we can write about too, uh, something that I'd be very in- interested in writing about. But um, just like uh, Dave said, you know, um, we're, we're going to offer friendly Rebuke. We are going to be brothers in Christ. So J.D. Greer, brother in Christ, we believe him to uh, love Jesus, um, want to be under his lordship, want to uh, see people come to him and eventually be in the uh, united church that Jesus builds and has whenever uh, Jerusalem comes down, the new heavens and the new earth are made, and we get to live eternally in the presence of God and see Jesus together. So So you might say, who are we to correct J.D. Greer. Yeah. Well, we are apologists. We are brothers yeah. in Christ, and we are people who love Scripture, believe it to be inerrant, and believe yeah. it to be true with all our hearts. That's the same position that he also holds. But yeah. again, here's the great thing: like we know, Scripture does not speak about transgenderism, or does it? It yeah. does declare. It yeah. actually cuts its head and off. So it's not it us. It's, it's one of those things that um, you know. Uh, just thinking about this week, and I know I threw those Bible verses up on the scroll before this thing got on. And uh, just really think about Jude. Um, We like to use Jude, um, let's contend for the faith. You know, that's an apologetic uh, motto um, whenever we're talking about apologetics. But usually whenever you hear um, a Bible verse and then you hear the word apologetics, you usually, your your presupposition of what apologetics in your mind is, is talking to the unbeliever. Uh, Well, that's not the case when it actually comes to the text of 1 Jude. It's actually saying people have crept in unawares, right? Yeah. And so this is actually polemics. Polemics is apologetics. And so it just, the the distinction is, is who's your audience, but it doesn't change. The truth doesn't change. 
Yeah. The Bible doesn't And change. if anything, again, so, we should yeah. be just as vigilant to correct heresies or misteachings in the church as we are to call out the world in sin. Why is that? Because, again, Jude is so clear in the book that people have crept in, right? Yeah. He even names the people by name, right? Uh-huh. So, which would be uh, completely politically incorrect now. But Jude is like, no, no, this person, this person, this person. And if you've preached through, read through the book of Jude, you see that. But uh, just a few little housekeeping pieces mm-hmm. that we want to knock out because they are important and they are things that we're excited about. Hey, uh, everything should be in play for us on the 6th of January, almost on the night, the 6th of January here in Springfield at the Southside Library Center for the Inerrancy Debate. Tim Carter has agreed to be one of the co-hosts, and Be Civil, Be Heard is sponsoring that beside us, and so it should be a really cool debate on the inerrancy of Scripture. Yes, so get that on your calendars now. Uh, Write down January 6th, 2020. That's right. It'll be a seated debate, too. So, like, we definitely are going to live stream it, but we'd really like for there to be a few people in the audience. Mm -hmm. Uh, There will be a time of audience Q&A. And the thing that I think is really important is it'll be just a little bit more extended than our normal format. Because on the format, again, we're trying to make it a proper debate on the podcast. And this is more of a face-to-face one. So, we'll have just a little bit more of an extended time. And hopefully, it'll it'll produce a good product. We want to do more, too. Yeah, at the end of the debate. There can be discussion and all that kind of stuff between people actually together, not just commenting in a comment box, but, you know, people interacting with people. Um, That's kind of what social media is kind of taken away uh, from our relationships. So let's show uh, what relationships are supposed to be Christians and uh, supposed to be people on people. So be there at the debate. Um, We've announced it this early. Dave has done his he's worked his butt off trying to get this thing early enough to where we can announce it. Get on your calendars. Come out. Come out. Hang out with us, hear the debate, hang out with us afterwards. The initial plan was to do it like in early December, but one of the things that we had a little trouble with was making sure the venue was secured and the people didn't have two full of calendars. And so we thought at the start of the year, generally, not always, weather is nice, so you should be able to get out there. Hey, it should be a really good time. And with that said, let's go ahead and jump right into some of these issues. So uh, Adam had an interesting situation speaking about reproving brothers in Christ. It is something that we need to do. And so Adam, tell us a little bit about what occurred to you this week, because I think right. it was certainly worth having on. Yeah, it's something that I definitely want to speak to, because this is a Missouri thing. Um, this is something close to home. Uh, I don't know how I had uh, befriended this guy. I think maybe possibly had something to do in the sound realm. So I used to work in uh, audio reinforcement and installation. And uh, so I think maybe through that circle of people is how I came into contact uh, with this guy, at least uh, via social media. And uh, apparently he turned into a, a an evangelist. Now, I will have to put it out there that he is from the Pentecostal side of things, the Assemblies of God. So, yeah, there is a theological difference um, there already. But the issue that happened should not be a theological difference between Assemblies of God and a Reformed Baptist. Yeah. So this is not an issue um, where it's just me trying to uh, shove reform, reform theology down him. It is a closed-hand issue um, that is so deep in Scripture um, that there is no way that it can scripturally be upheld. Um, but anyway, so I'm scrolling through Facebook. You know, I love memes, and I love really good memes, and I abhor really bad memes and I saw a bad meme and it's, and so it's amplified even more. So it's not just, um, you know, a sentimental person I know. 
um, sharing a meme. This is a person. A guy who's going to churches and preaching. Yeah, Yeah. so he's been going around for the past maybe four or five years um, being an evangelist, uh, you know, just just to put it. He's he's a full-time evangelist. He is actually trademarked. Uh, the uh, saying bringing revival back so that's his trademark he puts it on t-shirts he puts it on hats um, you know like it's one of those things you know that's how he fun- helps fund you know sells shirts and hats and stuff to fund you know getting gas from place to place you know I'm not going to hit him up on that kind of stuff no. um, but you know so but he is a serious evangelist he's going around to churches preaching revivals trying you know his mission is to evangelize America, energize a pastoral staff, and revitalize the church. So he's serious about this kind of stuff. Yeah, all those um, are good things, know. by the way. I, oh, yeah. I'm with him 100%. Yeah. Those things so, but the thing is, is, whenever you're doing this, you you are basically going into a church that recognizes something. They need something. Their minds are open, probably more open than they have been whenever you're talking about revivals. When you're talking about revitalization, there is a brokenness there. And then, so whoever comes in there to speak needs to be vetted pretty darn hardcore on what they're going to preach because That's these right. people are broken. Especially if they're and again, so, if yeah. they are traveling around and they're proclaiming the gospel, their doctrinal integrity needs to be exceptionally high. Yeah. Right? They certainly are going to given be given an elevated status, sometimes even a little bit higher than that of the pastor. Yeah, right? and this is why there is a difference between uh, how Jesus deals with the Pharisees and Sadducees versus the people. Yeah. He held them to a higher standard because they could read and they taught. And the people he had a lot more compassion for because, you know, they're a lot more illiterate. They were dependent on these people. That's why he said, you have shut the kingdom out from these people because, you know, they didn't have those means like we do today of a very literate culture and all that kind of stuff. So he held the leadership to a higher standard and hit them harder. And so, again, if you're going to be an evangelist, you are going to be held to an even higher standard um, than your normal average pew sitting person um, consuming the gospel, hopefully getting trained into doing ministry and becoming some sort of leadership in um, in the in the church body at some level. But anyway, um, you should have really good theology. So whenever I see this meme, and the thing is, uh, I don't have evidence of this anymore, and I'll explain that situation. But he shared a meme, had a hand, you know, pointed out, you know, kind of the Uncle Sam thing. And it says, yeah, I mean, God, all it was was a hand. Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah, and it's pointed and it says, God needs you. And I saw that and I'm thinking, you know, like, again, if this was like a sentimental friend of mine, you know, I could have mentioned a little something. I wouldn't have hit it as hard. But this is an evangelist, like I said, going around preaching. Now, does this come out in his preaching? I hope not. There's not a whole lot of paper trail of uh, videos of his preaching out there. There's a few and it's the same kind of uh, revelation, eschatology, end times type stuff you know there's nothing i mean i can get i can hit him on his dispensationalism but that's not what i want to hit him on i want to hit him on the closed hand issue does god need you and what does the bible say about that now um what makes it worse now you know is he didn't respond how he responded so he didn't reply how he responded was um apparently i don't know how it worked out but maybe i was just following him maybe we were friends and then maybe he uh, got rid of me off of his friends list because this was his personal page um, but I was still following him, so I could still see everything. So, you know, after I, I what I did is I, I replied and I or I commented and I said, uh, um, you know, this is a friendly rebuke, not a condemning rebuke. I didn't want to call him not a brother. I didn't want to call him demonic or anything like that. I just wanted to be like, hey, this is wrong. And so not only did I just say, you know, I didn't say this is wrong. I said, according to Acts 17 here, whenever Paul's in front of the Areopagus, he says that, God doesn't dwell in temples made by hands. 
and he is not served by human hands as if he needs anything. Now, he could have refuted me, but here's how he responded. You know, I guess I could add, I also said that, you know, this Platonism is not biblically true. And so he responds by, I got a friend ad request. I added him as my friend. I thought that was weird. And the next thing you know, I can't view his uh, Facebook page. I went back to see, you know, if he wanted, if he was replied or anything weird happened, but I could not view it anymore. I could not find him on messenger personally to be like, Hey, what's up? So I did find his uh, evangelistic ministries, Facebook page, and I wasn't blocked off that. So I messaged him through that saying like, is this how brothers are supposed to act? Especially you and I who are people out in public making professions and assertions for the gospel and arguments for the gospel. As brothers, are we supposed to act this way, or are we supposed to encourage each other? Yeah, what he should have yeah. done is at least explained it theologically, yeah. like here was what it was. Obviously, you weren't trolling him, you weren't no. belittling him. But I was a little bit more harsher with with what yeah. I said, as I sometimes am. But uh, the point is that he just completely done. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, um, I ended up uh, inviting him to call in. So, yeah. uh, Terry, if you uh, are watching this, please call in. Let's talk. That's all I want to do. That's I want to talk. That's yeah. most. Of the I mean, problem that's a pretty simple thing. The church today is talking. Yeah, he's been given invitations so, yeah. to do it, and listen, we will be yeah. more than happy to have him on again. But here's the real point: is mm. your memes do matter? Yes, being theologically sound in what you post on Facebook does matter. Does if someone should, offers yeah. you correction, you should respond to it. Yeah, just especially like, and, if and it's this is one of those things. This is how you can build your faith. This is how brothers build faith because you could possibly believe that God needs you. But the thing is, is whenever you recognize that God doesn't need you, but that he wants you and what the gospel actually is, um, that actually will build your faith even more. It builds your faith in truth, for one. Remember, it's not blind faith. This is a truthful, historical um, faith. It's not built on blindness. It's not built on what we're making up about God. Um, this is why we're talking about the attributes of Scripture. This is why um, Dave's having the debate he's having about Scripture. And so we can actually build ourselves up. We can, you know, and it's one of those things like I want, I want him to be able to teach the truth. And if he is teaching out of this, uh, God necessarily, necessarily needs us. Um, that is not going to lead to the gospel. That's going to lead to destruction of the people that he's trying to preach revival to. They might get some sort of revival because man likes to hear stuff like that and it might spring up, but what's going to happen? The sun's going to shine and it's going to wither or it's going to get choked out. And I want, to, I want to see his ministry um, fall fall like seed onto good soil and that wherever he goes, um, it prospers that church. And so, again, this is not out of heart of hatred. This is not out of a heart of anything like that. But it's a heart of I want to see the gospel preached correctly. Which brings so, us into the next topic. Yeah. And that is one that actually does impact us a lot. Um, again, now we have presented what we believe is correct reproving mm -hmm. of an individual, we saw a really horrible response. Now we're dealing with, again, someone that we do have some serious connection with, President of the Southern Baptist Convention, J.D. Greer. Mm -hmm. um, I will say a lot of people do try to use him as a whipping boy. Um, while I don't agree with everything he's done, I think he really has done well with like the Who's Your One project. Really enjoy his preaching. I think he says a lot of good things. Um, I have not been a big fan, though, of the Ask Me Anything podcast. In fact, um, it is, of course, part of the Lifeway Leadership 
um, oh, I don't know exactly, the Lifeway Leadership uh, conglomerate or whatever. Uh, and that means that, of course, Southern Baptist funds are going to it. Mm-hmm. Essentially, the format is this. There are questions that are submitted to them, and JD and his co-host answer questions to it. It's interesting. They answer some of the same questions that we answer. Well, it's the same Um, thing. You know, Mark Driscoll did this. Um, Oh, uh, John Piper does this. Ask John Piper. Um, William Lane Craig does the same kind of thing, you know, so he's a, but the thing is he's a leader, um, especially just to, just to let you guys know, you know, there was a big debacle over him becoming president because he's a Calvinist early. He's reformed. Um, And so now you're seeing the fruit of, Hey, still disagree we still have issues that we got to work out brother to brother here and so you know just because he's a calvinist is not a detriment to the sbc at all um, because he's a calvinist what's a detriment to the sbc right now is how he responded to this question yeah because it is a serious issue and so it's episode 49 and we're going to play um are we going to play it at a little bit higher speed yeah we've got it at one and a half one and a half and we're just going to kind of respond back and forth on it the uh episode is again number 49 when talking with a transgender person which pronoun should you use right into this one jd when talking with a transgender person which pronoun should you use? You know, I think approaching this question, there's a very important old proverb, old maxim, and that is behind every question is a questioner. And so Man, I again, like that. Uh, you can see what, at least to me, from the very beginning is uh, what's stated there is let me go to a person. Let me go to human autonomy rather than the first thing we're going to do in all of these. And every one of these apologetics questions is we're going to go to Scripture first. What does Scripture say? What has God said? Yeah. And so, yeah. So it's one of those things like we truly want to like i understand that we want to tailor our approaches and there is there is warrant for that i would say the only way that we view that the way we approach people differently is if i approach dave as more of an academic he knows different words that we can clearly communicate together that he's not that say you know you sitter over here is not going to understand whenever I like, say certain words. So I'm going to tailor maybe my vocabulary. This is what Paul would do. Yeah. Uh, that's why there's, you know, higher vocabulary and lesser vocabulary. But what, what you need to do here is instead of tailoring it to the person, what Dave said, we tailor it to the yeah, truth. And I understand. And again, I'm not trying to play armchair quarterback with this, yeah. right? Like we've dealt with this issue. Yeah. We, we had a podcast on the day of the Nashville statement yes. dropped with one of the framers of the Nashville statement, yeah. right? We've interviewed Andrew Walker when his book, God and the Transgender Debate, came out, right? Yeah. So it's not like we just didn't say anything about this, didn't know anything about it, seen Andrew Walker speak live. I mean, he signed your book. Yeah. Uh, so this is obviously an issue that we've dealt with on the podcast before. And I understand that JD is saying, hey, we, know, we want to think about the person. We want to think about the person. Definitely. Yeah. But I want to think about glorifying God first. Right? And how do I best glorify God? By submitting to his word from yeah. the get-go. And so you'll see this in the podcast. There's going to be, and it's a very short episode, there's going to be all kinds of little analogies that I just think fall flat. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, just to just to add, you know, situations are going to change maybe the way the, the things come out, but yeah. still the truth doesn't change. And your first thing is not where am I? It is what is the truth? And then how does the truth fit into where I am right now in whatever situation? So that's your whole um, pathos and ethos issue. 
when I hear a question like this, one of the first things I want to try to do is filter. Is this, is this, I mean, somebody that's antagonistic, are they trying to pick a fight? Is this like, you know, Pharisees with Jesus? Cause sometimes this question is asked in that way, but a lot of times this is asked by somebody who is in the midst of either themselves being transgender or they're trying to love somebody who yeah. is transgendered and they're, you know, really struggling with what is a way to show this person respect. And yeah. So why can't it be the same thing of compassion with the antagonist kind of person? Why can't you answer the same way? And, that's, and that's again, the that's the thing that I would say is, uh, because like, so what you're going to do is if they're antagonistic, you're just going to write them off and guess what you've done. You made things worse. So you haven't done anything to make the situation better, or you can just go ahead and go with a compassionate approach, no matter if they're being antagonistic. But what but in the they, world would yeah. you measure compassionate yeah. with? Right. Yeah. Exactly. What in the world do you measure by what standard are you using yeah. to apply compassion? And yeah. with that, I would say this, the most compassionate thing I can do is let God speak and then, of course, respond because yeah. we know that it is God's world and it is God's revelation that should guide how I engage individuals. Yeah. I'm not going to feed into someone's absurdity, mm-hmm. in other words. Yeah. But like I said, you know, so we got, you know, Jesus gives us a great uh, example of compassion and what that looks like by being compassionate, yet telling the truth, yet still turning people off. I mean, you had the rich young ruler come to Christ and he walked away himself. That's right. Because he loved his riches more than he wanted to follow Christ. So no matter what Jesus did, he still turned people off, <laughs> you know, That's right. even with, uh, you know, not necessarily uh, the Pharisees where it seemed he was very tough with. We see in that situation, it would seem like a calmer situation where he comes up to Christ and asks him these questions and says he follows the law. And then Jesus says, well, then go sell all your possessions and follow me. Um, Jesus didn't do anything there, but still. He, the, the man, the ruler, excluded himself. Yeah. And here's a great thing. We haven't even gotten to yeah. much of the answer yeah, yet. <laughs> but, like, we've already been able yeah. to demonstrate there's a fundamental inconsistency yeah. with the way the question's even being approached, right? Yeah. And we're not trying to create a dumpster fire and saying, oh, man, he's affirming. And that's what that's what you see on Reformation Charlotte. People like yeah. J.D. Hall are saying, oh, he's affirming transgenderism. False. If anything, I will state. You will not, if you listen to it rightly, believe that, or fairly, that Dr. Greer is at all affirming transgenderism. But that's the issue. There's a slippery slope that you need to be really cautious of. And I think that that is where he slips. Yeah, yeah. And in, in affirmation, you know, as it is with homosexuality, too often we think the only categories are affirmation or alienation. Mm-hmm. And you're trying to say, what is the right way to, to show Christian love? Because it shouldn't be only those two categories. Um, and so, you know, I think you got to ask, like, you know, what is what is going on? I mean, one of the most helpful pieces of pastoral counsel I've ever heard is somebody said, you know, behind every question of homosexuality and transgender is a, a bigger question, and that is the question of unanswered prayer. Because mm-hmm. almost every person, and, and I would becomes, disagree with that completely. Mm-hmm. I would not say that at all. Sin that, that, that's that's and rebellion. One, but no, there's there's. There, yeah, like you're saying, that, that's, that's... Sin and rebellion. Me doing the, what I want to do. The unanswered prayer argument is a symptom of something. Yes, agreed. All these are cover-ups for the real issue, which is rebellion. Yes. And sin. And a desire to follow your own self-gratification rather than yeah. what now, God says is good. Whenever we shift to, you know, statistically, a lot of people might use that argument, you know, I prayed and God didn't take it away from me. Well, then we can work with that, but there are also other reasons and all those other reasons need to be dealt with with the same truth and the same hermeneutic yeah agreed comes you know in this category is somebody that at least if they grew up in the church was like god changed me and they felt like it never happened and yeah. so um yeah, I think you gotta, and, and too often let's just acknowledge um, well, the church then, here's the other th- problem that was a fundamental misunderstanding of what yeah. prayer does yeah and how you deal with sin number one 
if all you did was pray privately about it, somebody in your church failed as a leader to demonstrate, like, listen, if you deal with sin, you need to bring it to me. Yeah. And again, this should be a rebuke of the church. If we've created a culture in which people cannot come to you as a mentor as or as a disciple maker and confess sin, then we haven't really created a yeah. community that it all reflects what and we so, see in the book of Acts. And here's where we can, uh, you know, Greer's going to say later, we can agree with them. I mean, the people, um, and then I'm not going to say that it's a generalization of all churches and all people um, that are the church. Um, there's there's going to be, again, a, a mixture of truth and error in everything. Um, the confessions... The old confessions, uh, you know, they they say that, you know, there's no true church. They're all a mixture of truth and error. Um, but, you know, there have been people, there have been local bodies that have a chokehold on this issue to where you say anything, you know, it's highly legalistic and they shun you. And that should not happen. And we do need to deal with that. And so and we do need to say sorry whenever we have uh, pushed you out and not let you um, tell us how you really feel what you are dealing with and we haven't created a community um, to where that can happen. Um, this is why, you know, I'm at Redeemer. That's why we do community groups um, because, and we have uh, also redemption groups and stuff because we want to create an atmosphere where you can come and feel safe and not kicked out unless you are unrepentant and you are in rebellion. And then we have to get you out for the safety of the flock and for your own good that you might not see at the time, but if we kick you out of the flock, according to Christ's church discipline that he gives us, hopefully you go out in the world and come to, and you come back. And we walk yeah, and again, with open arms. When you deal with church so, discipline and you get yeah. to that final element, yeah. it's because this person has refused after multiple attempts yes. of being yes. having sin brought forward to them and asking them to repent, that they don't even do anything. Yeah. Or, again, not soon do anything, continue in rebellion. Yeah has failed to be the sanctuary um, the church ought to be the one place where people that struggle with sins of any kind ought to feel safe yeah. because we're the ones who teach like this is the human condition and that would be one of the places again where yeah. i would have a fundamental disagreement yeah you should feel safe to confess your sins you should feel safe to have a group of people who care for you and want to listen to your struggles Feel safe is a different thing. And I, again, yeah. and I don't think he nuances issue. it very what is, well. What does safe mean? Am I safe from judgment? And the thing is, is that's, that's what most people I'd say would want. They would want an area where they're not judged. The only thing is, is we can judge one another. And I think we have a, uh, a, a weird issue of equivocation. We mean, whenever we say, don't judge me, we're actually wanting to say, don't condemn me. That's right. But you don't want to be judged, so you use that word because you don't want to be judged, even though it's so totally scriptural and Jesus said it himself and gave us the right way to judge. Yeah. We are to discern. You, we judge all the time. We judge between McDonald's and, and Taco Bell. We judge, we judge, we judge. We certainly do. I want but, to have a church yeah. where people can come to me who struggle with certain sins, right? Yeah. And say, this is a sin that has, has brought me down. Yeah. Right. This is a sin that is serious and I need prayer over it. I need deliverance from it. Yeah. I want to be in a community like that. Yeah. But when they come back to me time and time again and they say, oh, I'm struggling with the sin still. Oh, I'm struggling with the sin still. Oh, I'm falling into this temptation again. Oh, I'm still doing. There's a point where you say, then you haven't chosen to deal with the sin. Yeah. The reason that you're struggling with it isn't that you're struggling with it, is that you've given over to it. And so the thing is, is, you know, safe here needs a definition. Yeah. And so, yeah, you should feel safe as if you are a professed brother and sister in Christ baptized and you are communing in the table um, with your fellow believers. 
Um, you should feel safe not to be condemned and excluded unless church discipline needs to happen. Um, but then again, at the same time, you know, judgment has to be there. That's right. Because you have to judge yourself according to what scripture says and you have to kill sin. Yeah. Like scripture, right scripture says and stuff. So you've got to judge yourself just as, you know, you need other people to help you see you've got, because, you know, you can't trust your own heart. That's why there is the church community. We need each other and all around the authority of scripture under the authority of Christ. And so, you know, that, that even, I mean, this debate has just so many, or this talk has so many things out there that, um, have been left to be defined by whoever's listening. Condition. Yeah. And Jesus died for sinners and he didn't tell you to become perfect so you can be accepted. He, he, he came for the, the sick, you know, spiritually sick of, of whatever variety. So anyway, that's, I just want, I feel like we need to say that. That's to, helpful, yeah. with you. Uh, you know, and then um, before you get into the question of pronouns, I also feel like, you know, there's just a couple assumptions about the transgender movement broadly that we yeah. probably should, should talk about. Let me just first say there's a couple of excellent books that okay. I have found very helpful. One of them is by um, a guy named Andrew Walker. It's called God That's and the Transgender Debate. We he just really kind of goes through issue yep. by issue and just really kind of helps unpack like what's what's going on. It's very well done. The other one's Ryan Anderson, When Harry Became Sally, which is a great book title. I don't know how, honestly, I don't know how he made that get through past the editing process, like but some he got it out said, there. Let's go with When Harry Became Sally. This is yes, great, it yeah. is. But yeah, so he basically said, well, so 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 uh, so here's a book that I do know, and at this particular point, I do think that we should probably take a look at what Dr. Walker said, right? Yeah, well, let's hear what he says about Andrew Walker. Okay, yeah, gosh, Helpful. You know, the biggest question behind the question of pronouns is what actually determines gender. And I think there's three potential answers. One is your anatomy. Yeah. That's kind of the obvious age old way of you know, telling a male from a female. The other is what, you yeah. um, what yeah. is what do I feel like? Do I feel like a male or a female? I think the best answer, the most historic, the scientific answer, and I would say the biblical answer is your genetics. God made False. them. No, JD, you have now accepted Wrong. the autonomous, naturalistic man's worldview to say that it is not the best way to talk about gender. So um, this is what came up tonight. This is something that yeah. maybe we need to uh, think about and, and maybe write something on. Um, but the, the fact of this is where JD, your theology needs to come into play. If you are going to be a reformed guy, you need to look at your theology. Um, if you're going to be a biblical person, yeah, yes. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you need to look at your theology and I mean, we're, and this we're, is where the culture gets it yeah. way wrong and Christianity yeah. has gotten it way backwards yeah. and completely jacked this up. Yeah. Go for and it. So we can answer the world when it comes to gender being subjective. He gave and three it's, pieces it's totally there. Okay. Didn't yeah. he? Three pieces. Right? He said the best answer is genetics. If you have whatever, <laughs> either you have whatever, of, uh, XY X, chromosome, XY. Yeah. Okay. We'll, yeah. we'll get it that way. XX, XY. That is your gender. That doesn't say anything. What you have between your legs is not saying anything about your role. Your and so here's the deal. Even This is what I want to propose. Um, if nobody's ever talked about it before, um, because I've never heard anything about it. But what I propose is that gender is a subjective issue um, between XX and XY. But it has an objective meaning to it. And that's because of what? The covenant. So... You were designed and created by God, male or female. That's what he created when it comes to human beings. And then whenever he made mankind, you have that. You have that covenant with mankind, and they were to subdue and have dominion, right? Fill the earth and multiply. They needed each other, all those kind of things. So you have that commonality shared between male and female. But then what are those covenantal roles between male and female? The man is the head. And the wife is to submit to that headship, just like, you know, it plays out in the New Testament, just like Christ um, died for the church. The man is to do the same for his wife. That's why that marriage is meaningful and that that's, that's a covenant relationship. 
And so those have covenant roles too. So just like gender, it is a subjective thing depending on if you're male or female, but there is a theological teleological issue on God has a design for those roles. He has covenantally put you in those roles, though you are sharing mankindness and that universal. Here's the particulars. And my position would be to extend that argument just a bit, because this is also something that I think is a fundamental mishandling. This is where Christians are really getting this wrong in the way that we talk about. Number one, we submit to what Dr. Greer said there. Smart guy, really admire him. I believe he has got a fundamental mistake, and he's not the only one making it. When we say your genetics determines your gender, false. Genetics are part of our time-bound existence, Yeah. right? Why would I say that? Well, Scripture tells us that God is, what is it? It refers to the pronoun he over and over and over again. God exists outside of time. Boom. Therefore, genetics are not the determiner. Our eternal our eternal humanity is what determines our gender. Here's where the real issue is. In heaven, I'll still be male. Now, I might not have male genitalia, right? I don't know what my, what my new body will be like, but I will still be Dave male. That is going to follow you into eternity. Yeah. Like, I have no reason from which to understand that that is not the case. Why would I say that? Again, God, male, in heaven. Jesus, male, in heaven. We're still ourselves. Yeah. My makeup in the time-bound state is connected inherently to who God decreed for me to be. Yeah. And so, you know, for whenever, eternity. Yeah, and so whenever we get into the whole gender thing, you know, a lot of people, because of this autonomously reasoned idea that you've brought into the text, you go, well, here's uh, David being very feminine, and here's David being very masculine. Well, how about you look at David and you go, what does he do and what does God lead him to do to be a covenantal man? That's right. And then you have your definition of what it means to be male, gender wise, apart from just the sex part. But whenever so you can we can have the uh, distinction between the term sex and and uh, and uh, just and gender and gender. We can have that distinction that they're not the same. But they're based on, you know, there is a correlation between sex and gender, but they're two distinct things. And it's because that what, the, what is the distinguishing factor is the covenant right. and what that covenantal role is. So, you know, like I said, that's 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 something um, I've never heard before, but it, I think it definitely applies to the text, because if we get our definition from Scripture, um, what does a man look like in the, in, and what does God have designed for man to do? Where does man fail being a man in scripture? Don't act according to that, but act according to the ideal man, which is Jesus himself. Very compassionate, has what society here now would call feminine qualities or masculine qualities, and has that, you know, and they're confused on, you know, but the what gender Jesus roles is. are articulated but that's not, by. Yeah. But then again, you, you don't impress that on the text and say, here's where Jesus is feminine and masculine. No, you go, here's who Jesus is. And he defines that. Yeah. Right. How about that? That's the way we got to do it. And yeah. so that's what I would say backs up my claim that gender is uh, your covenantal role. Yeah. Right on. 
Yeah. Just keep going, man. Yeah, keep going. Love it. I made them male and female. We know that, you know, in every single, you know, cell of a person's body from the time of conception, they're either marked with XX or XY. They're marked with with, with a gender. And yeah. it's not ambiguous at all. And, and it's clear that is the gender that God has declared a person to be is the one that corresponds to their DNA. And so, okay, here's, so here's helpful, the thing is, here's where, J, where JD is correct. He just is not self-conscious about it. It's what God declares you to be. What does he declare? He declares the covenant. That's the covenant role. So, JD, you need to not. And God, yeah. God declares so here's, your genetics. Here's the problem. Here's and then here's the problem with classical apologetics. You see him juggling there. He said the right thing and he said the wrong thing, and he's thinking that they're the same here. No, they're not. So, genetics is not the determiner. It's not the final determiner of gender. You are genetically who you are, designed by God, and God knows you, and He fearfully and wonderfully made you in the womb. But he also covenantally, again, we have natural revelation and special revelation. They got to work together. Or if you just deal with the natural world, you're not going to get anywhere. That's right. You might accidentally get somewhere because of the innate knowledge of God that you do have. And by the grace of God, you might have gotten somewhere correct. But it's not because you did it according to knowledge. You did it because, well, God allowed you to and you just weren't self-conscious about it. So this is where J.D. Greer is not self-conscious. He said the right thing there. Yeah, you are what God declares you, but that needs a definition of covenant. He has declared the covenant. It's helpful, but obviously, I mean, there are situations where it's like, I mean, situations where someone would be, you know, intersexual or they have ambiguous genitalia, things like this that may be abnormal, but are like part of the thought process. So how do you think through that? Well, let's just say that it's, 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 you have to get really technical in this yeah. discussion because it's not just, it's not as simple as even kind of the way you said it. There's things that are sometimes it, it's a mutation. Yeah. It's something that's enlarged that shouldn't yeah. be enlarged, you know, just sort of things. Yeah. And if he, again, if he had the right apologetic if he is reformed and he had the right apologetic, again, he could have answered that question. Well, abnormalities beg for a standard. And what is that standard? Again, it's how we are designed by God, male and female, and therefore the covenant on top of that. So what is that? What does that look like in this situation? But, you know, here is where, you know, the abortion argument goes to the extreme uh, rare case. Or and whatever the gun debate goes to the extreme rare case. Yeah, and he's going to get into that. Stuff. He's going to get into that. Yeah, yeah. and then we'll sort of things like that. And so uh, nobody is is really arguing that there's somebody who is you know that's got like 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 real streams of like you know like I'm half yeah I'm half male and half female. That's yeah. not it, 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 it's a different discussion. You can in the God and the Transgender debates that that book particularly would just kind of you know, unpack that for you. I think the biggest thing is I don't think that's really the the, the, the place that our culture is doing false. is, is kind of setting up. It's yeah. false. I would yeah. disagree with that again. Yeah. Fundamentally, I will disagree with that. No, that's always where they revert back to. That's their foundation. Yeah. It's not that they oh kind of go there. No, they always appeal to. Well, what about those people who yeah. were born disfigured? Yeah, you, you go. You go to the uh, basically what is out there is the fact are those little rare cases or whatever hypothetical. Yes, that's all they can exist in because they know they know they can't use that's, real things. That's not the reality. Every yeah. single time they bring that up, he's. Which they do again and again and again. I've never had this discussion with someone, and they not bring up. Well, what about the what about the people who were born, you know, transgendered? What about that? Less than one percent of the population, right? Yeah. Like, what about that? That's not what we're talking about. But that's always where they go. And I again think that he's, fun again, he's see, fundamentally see, missing. Like, yeah, what are people born transgendered? No, they're not. They have freaked up genetics and that's sex. Now we can keep them separate. That's the beautiful thing. Yes. They're not born transgendered. God has, there's a covenant relationship there in the particulars. Yes. 
that exists. Now, how do you find that out? Well, let's keep thinking about this and like, let's answer it. You know, this is why we answer from a political position. You know, again, like there's no that's the reason why he doesn't have a good argument to talk about this stuff. It's battlefront. It's not that. What about those rare cases where there's a mutation and there's a, you know, an an anatomical part that doesn't belong. The real the real focus is where is gender determined from? Is it is it something that is in the you know in the DNA or is it something that is chosen from within? And that's something Christians can speak about with clarity. And that is, Mm -hmm. you know, our identity comes from not looking within. Our identity comes from what our heavenly Father declares over us. Declares, but you need to make sure you use the term covenant because people don't know that. And dispensationalists might have a problem with it, too. Yeah. And that's in our ranks. And you've got to make sure you stand up and stand up for your covenant reformed theology. That's right. That would lead you to these answers. At every level of the spiritual life, but it's important in creation itself because God declares through the DNA, male or female. Yeah. And I am not who I feel like I am. I am who God says I am. Yeah. I mean, Christians, you know, Jeremiah 17 teaches who God made you to be and then covenanted with you as that's right. Teaches us that our heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, yeah. which means the heart is the last place that I want to be looking for my identity yeah. because it will tell me that I'm a failure. It'll tell me I'm an outcast. Agreed. It may Agreed. tell me wrong things about what my gender is. You just don't look into the murky, dysfunctional abyss of your heart yeah. that is con- you know, consumed. So, you know, JD here is just to say, you know, he is not heretical. He just That's doesn't have on. the tools right things. now to articulate the position, but he's saying the right things here. It's just, again, he needs to look back at his theology think a little bit more of the theology undergirding these things because he's saying it right god declares it it's yeah. his covenant there's a but covenant again rule. he already messed yeah. that up with yeah. by saying well the there's genetics. only three different things and yeah. appealing to the naturalistic humanistic worldview yeah. Con, you know, consume with sin and look for identity. Look to God's word and his creative order. Yeah. So that's really helpful because it's like, it's helpful to understand some of the technical things that are going on. But at the end of the day, we have to know where is this conversation in the culture actually happening. And right now it's happening more on that identity. How do I feel level? Not on some of these other things. Right. But here's the thing. Those are all really helpful things, but they didn't actually answer the question we asked at the beginning. So if you're talking to a transgender person, knowing all that stuff, what pronoun should you use? So you're not going to get by with, uh, yeah. oh, you just asked me anything. I thought it was also answer me. Anything. Yeah. Just answer whatever, whatever you want. Whatever yeah, exactly, right. yeah. Okay. So fair enough. Well, let me just kind of lean on Andrew Walker here and, yeah. and the, the book God and the transgender debate. Yeah, he points out, and I actually think this is charitable and accurate. Christians disagree. Yeah. I think they should disagree charitably about what is the right thing to do specifically with pronoun usage. You know, some people on one side are going to say, um, hey, we got to tell the truth. And the truth is this person is male or female. So I would be lying if I called somebody who was female identified as male. There's others that say, well, you know, look, as a courtesy, you should uh, refer to a transgender person by their preferred pronoun. And it's sort of a generosity of spirit. Kind of approach. And, yeah. So there has been made two distinctions here. Yeah. And this is where it's key and crucial. He has already identified that to affirm a... A mistruth or an untruth is to lie. Mm-hmm. To call someone a female who is a male is a lie. Just like to call someone a male who wants to be called a female, a female is a lie. That is a re- that is a reality. That is the real world. And then he says, and there's the other option where we would say, well, we'll call them by their pronoun. That's been set out now as an untruth. Yeah. Yeah. You and so here, yeah, these hands. are two different type of people he's talking about. You know, there are people are split here. And so let's see what uh, he says about his approach. And you see evidence in the, in the Bible of that. And so you kind of got those, the arguments that I've heard go basically along those two lines. Is it a generosity of spirit or is it you telling the truth? Personally, I think again, this ought to be a charitable discussion. Which I would like to, there, there was something said there. Let me go back here. Pronoun, okay. And it's sort of a generosity of spirit kind of approach. And you see evidence in the, in the Bible of that. And so you kind of got those. No, we do not see evidence. And the thing I is, would like to, yeah, I'd like to know what that is. Yeah. I'd like him to back that up. Um, the, the, the accommodation, he's going to say something here in a minute though. 
Those the arguments that I've heard go basically along the two lines. Is it a generosity of spirit or is it you telling the truth? Personally, I think again this ought to be a terrible discussion. I lean a little bit toward generosity of spirit. That's where Andrew Walker, you know, that's and where this he is also a false is. dichotomy you know, he's creating up here too, because Agreed. generosity of spirit versus what is truth. The standard of generosity of spirit. They're they're mutually exclusive. Um, what does Peter tell us to do? Give an answer for the hope that lies within us, right? Yeah. And gentleness and respect. So they're supposed to happen at the same time. So there's See, not a false dichotomy. No, not in by being, means. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's the problem. So now we've got a false dichotomy set up here that to be charitable is to be untruthful. And again, charitable according to And that him. to be truthful is to be uncharitable. Charitable according mm-hmm. to who? And then it'd be according to them. But see, that's the thing you can point out. According to them. Yeah. And that's the thing is that's the thing that you can actually point out as an apologist with the right apologetic, with the undergirding theology. And this is and why issues like this begin to slip in. Mm-hmm. This is why we're correcting it. This is why we're approving it. This is where, in my mind, it begins to creep in. And just to quote from Dr. Walker's book, he says, the best solution is to avoid pronouns altogether mm-hmm. if possible. Yeah. I mean, yeah. again, those of us who have been in a situation, and I was in a situation back in April, I went to a forum for something. The individual, the man who was recording it, was recording it, and he was dressed like a woman and had a woman's name. I did just use his name. I didn't know him, didn't have a relationship with him. Did not think it appropriate for me to be there and try to engage him. I just used his name. Yeah. It was pretty easy for me to do that. It really wasn't that hard. Exceptionally charitable. Let him know that I was a believer. I told him I was a Baptist pastor, graduate of a seminary, and he knew where I stood. The best charitable thing I could do was use his name. Why? Because names are subjective. Yeah. And then, I mean, once you get into those deeper issues and deeper talks, whenever they're, you know, they, they are comfortable around you to talk about those deeper things. Here's what you need to do is if somebody gets mad at you about you saying, I can't, I don't want to use that pronoun. Here's what you need to do is you need to tell them if you have the right apologetic, you'd be like, don't you realize now you live in a relative, like, is it okay to say that you live in a relativistic worldview? You don't want your conscious bound. Why are you trying to bind mine? Okay, now let's let's work out of here. I'm not mad at you. Say, I love you. You're made in the image of God. I this cannot hate you. And this is where you can start to right preach the gospel. You can tell them who they are, who you think they are. You have said that you love them. And then you go, here's what I think about you. Here's what I believe about you. I believe that you're made in the image of God. Yes, I do believe he's made people male and female in the sex department, that there is, say, this covenantal relationship idea of roles of male, maleness and femaleness. Um, so there's a sex issue uh, genetically, naturally, and then there is the covenantal issue. And the thing is, is like, you know, I don't believe you to be who you are, and it, you would ca- cause me to lie. You would make me sin against my conscience for you. And so what is so the- where you can be like, here's my fear. You're fearing over here, and I, 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 I go. I can, I can hear your fears, and I go. I am listening to you, and I care about your fears. But here's mine. Are you going to worry about me? This is a, this is a relationship here that we're building, and so where you can preach the gospel through trying to build this relationship and see, go like you live in relativism. You can't get mad at me for using 
your dead pronoun. Yeah. Okay. You get that. And so here, while you're trying to explain the situation, here's your fears. You'd be like, I, I'm, you'll make me a liar. If I call you who are actually a man, a woman, and that is against my conscience. Yeah. Now you don't want me to bind yours. Don't bind mine. And, and so again, you can, you I can do this without, to, and I wouldn't yeah. jump to the genetic argument. Yeah. I would say, and I know because God has created us in yeah. his image that human beings exist as yeah. male and female. That is yeah. hardwired into who you are. Yeah. That is a biblical anthropology. Yeah. And so here, and then we get into that, uh, you know, that, that presuppositional mode, you enter their worldview. Again, you showed that it's, you've shown that it's relative and that anything, anything can be believed as long as it's their truth and you can't bind the conscience of any individual. And that's what they're doing to you. And so you reduce their world to absurdity. Yeah. And then you invite them in onto your biblical worldview, not sacrifice. If they say you can't use the Bible, it's like, well, that's my worldview. That's how that you have to play by my rules. This is a relativistic world, right? Play by my rules for a second, for the sake of argument. And then you can give them the gospel. They're made in the image of God. They're sinful. They're sinners. But the gospel, Jesus Christ came to die for sinners. And the thing is, is you're confused. And once you become self-aware, hopefully you become self-aware because the Holy Spirit's working on you right now because I'm teaching you what the gospel is. And share with them. And that's where you begin to say, let me share with you. This confusion that you have felt from whenever is a result of not only physical impacts of sin in the physical world, in the material world, the impact of sin, but impacts of sin in the spiritual reality. Because your spiritual reality is what God speaks, as well as the physical reality. He speaks into that. And both of those things have been impacted by sin. That's why you feel one way, your body says something another way. Both of those things have been impacted. And at the root of it, sin is the issue. And there's and the way to get out of it isn't to jump yeah. genders. And so you can you can do this process, this approach that we do as presuppositional apologists to proclaim the gospel. Because remember, apologetics and gospel and proclaiming the gospel, you know, it's it's a constant stream of going back and forth. Here, you're being you're being offensive with the gospel, and then you're being defensive of the gospel. Then you're going back to be offensive with the gospel and defensive, and so right. it becomes a conversation. It becomes a relationship. Now, here's the problem, though, is because the way that this is, this argument and this debate is happening is because it's out of fear of of people um, being um, like not wanting it. Yeah. They're wanting to run away. They're wanting to hate it. You know, use this as ammunition to hurl arguments at us. And the thing is, duh, duh. Again, we need to be compassionate. We need to love them. But what but, is the measure of? Compassion? And I was asked this on Sunday. You know, how do you recognize? You know, whenever you're being gentle. Um, when you're being loving to somebody, I'm like, well, whenever you give them the gospel, not like poking it at them, but, you know, talking with them, using that presuppositional method. And the thing is, is they'll exclude themselves. Yeah. And that's what's happening is people, for some reason right now, still want to be in the church community. They still want that. I don't know, like, you know, you see the ELCU and um, all the, and the PCUSA and like all these churches that are affirming this stuff. Like for some reason, I don't know why they want to be in the church and claim anything a part of Jesus Christ. And, and again, but that that's is going to go away end. sometime. Yeah. That's going to go away sometime. We can there's, see there's liberal still, denominations. There's still that, that there's still the, the beach ball gets plopped out of the water. They need Jesus and they know it. Yeah. Well, the and problem so that's is why they want to still be a part of the community. But the thing is they will eventually exclude themselves. If you preach the, 
truth of Jesus Christ, how he preached it and how his apostles preached it. Yeah. If you stick to scripture. And so we can't, we can't mind feelings in that way. Whenever feelings and truth come at, to a head, truth has to win and we have to be truthful. Yeah. Christ was truthful, even though the rich and ruler walked away. He was truthful, even in the face of people yelling, crucify him and that the, their Lord was Rome was Caesar. Yeah. As they nailed him to the cross. And so we cannot just be like, well, we want these people so bad. I'm sorry. You are not the one that saves anybody. So you can't act like that. God will get his. That's right. And so again, JD Greer, he's reformed. He should understand that. You know, it's, if, if a transgender person came into you know our church, came into my life, I think my disposition would be to refer to them by their preferred pronoun. When we want to talk about gender, that I'll is what the, the people truth. at Reformation Charlotte are nailing yeah. on. Yeah. See, here's the problem. They simplified it so much, and then they put out a false narrative. Because I don't hear him saying, I affirm people's transgenderism. Yeah. That's what he's being billed as. Well, because what he's going to go true. on to say, he's saying at the initial meeting... You know, and this is something I wouldn't do. Yeah, I wouldn't do it either. I again, like we just said, it, what is your name? Even if it's you know not it's it's a feminine name, whatever. I'm just uh, I will I will be charitable in calling you by name, which at least gets somewhere because I remember your name. I know that you have a name, and I name you as a human being made in the image of God. So at least there's that. That's my charity. But you know, affirm like I don't say it like. J.D. Greer just hasn't thought this thing out a whole lot, but he does make a distinction of whenever we talk about these things. Like this is prior to membership in his church. This is, they have in this society, and I'm going to say this in this society, in the way that we do church, we invite people to church. That is not where they belong. That's your one time during the week where you get together with brothers and sisters ordinances of baptism and the Lord's Supper are there, that time is actually not meant for those people, for people outside of Christ, outside the body of Christ. Let's be charitable. If they show up, be hospitable, call them by their name. But see, this is where he's just talking about this. He's not talking about, but you know, the reason why we're in this situation is because we have allowed unbelievers in on that. And it's not that we're trying to hide anything. This is just not for That's you. That's the reality. Why would, you know, it's like, and so it's because people in the pews don't want to do evangelism. It's because people in the pews don't want to do outside of Sunday service. Evangelism should be occurring. Yeah. So it's not just the, the church square. Yeah. So it's not just the church treating people bad or people, people who are the church who are still sinners treating people like crap. It's the whole way that they've done. There's so much in on this that is wrong, which is causing tons of problems. This is, again, this is just the, the world the way it is right now with sin. And, you know, we got to pray and, and ask God for forgiveness and repent and ask him for the strength to see things scripturally and do things scripturally um, in that. So there's a lot more in this issue. But see, I just wanted to let you guys know, J.D. is saying he uses the pronoun at the first meeting when they're when they're not a member, when they're not baptized, taking the Lord's Supper, when they're not voting um, not in on any sort of um, leadership roles or anything like that. So he is not allowing them to have leadership, yeah. be baptized. Take the He's Lord's not Supper. saying, okay. oh yeah, I'm going to let a yeah. transgender person join my church. Yeah. And oh, yeah. 
He's no. essentially saying in my this is not meeting, the same thing again, as Andy Stanley affirming this, an atheist as a member in his congregation. Exactly, yeah. and that there that is the necessary distinction. And this is why I think it was so important. We've dealt with this, and I'm glad we spent the time that we spent mm. because rather than throwing up a bunch of spaghetti on the wall to see what sticks, rather than uh, misconstruing what he said and giving just a soundbite, we've worked through the entire podcast. We've offered what I believe is both affirmation of things that have been said, and we have rebuked things that we believe are not correct and improper teaching. Hopefully we've never attacked Brother Greer, uh, but again, here's a place where he is not saying and making a, a clear distinction, I don't affirm their confusion. Mm-hmm. Now you could say, well, what he's doing, it adds to some of that confusion, and I would agree with that if he does refer to them by their preferred pronoun. Mm-hmm. I think that does add to their confusion. I would handle it differently, and I think to not handle it differently is to communicate things in a way that is not consistent with scripture. How's that? Yeah. Yeah. The truth. Yeah. The question is just, is, is, is that the battlefront that you want to choose? Mm-hmm. I do think, and Andrew Walker points this out, I got another guy named Preston Sprinkle, um, had some good thoughts on this, that's, that you do see in the Bible, this kind of evidence of generosity and accommodation of spirit in simple things like, you know, when, when they refer to, these are going to be bad analogies. I agree. False analogies. They're not pronoun analogies. There's a lot more difference. So, you know, this, I'm glad we're yeah. working through these ones too. <laughs> yeah. Even when, if when the show goes a little God. longer. Yeah. Yeah, let me uh, back Sorry. for a second. You're cool. That you want to choose. Mm-hmm. I do think, and Andrew Walker points this out, and I got another guy named Preston Sprinkle, um, had some good thoughts on this, that's, that you do see in the Bible this kind of evidence of generosity and accommodation of spirit in simple things like, you know, when, when they refer to different gods in the Old Testament. I mean, we know there's only one God, yeah. and but there's a sense in which I don't know if I'm going to draw the battlefront there. I'm going to declare the truth. So what's the analogy between pronouns and, uh, say, saying the name Bilyal or Molech? There is no connection. But see, the thing is, is Molech was an object, was a real object that they placed babies on to burn them alive to death. Yeah. So whenever you say Molech. Denounce those gods is not to affirm those gods. It is to denounce the false reality. But to call it simply. Yeah, but to call it Molech is not the same as calling somebody that's a man. A woman and using she exactly. It is a false. It's analogy. a terrible analogy. Mm-hmm. Clear the truth, and then I'm going to speak with clarity. And I don't know if I'm, you know, if the pronoun is exactly the place that I have to, you know, do it. A couple of analogies I may, or a couple of illustrations may help. You know, when, when missionaries have been going into um, tribes where they were polygamous, yeah. You know, do they? What do they do when a guy, when a chief has? 10 wives. Do you take the first one, call her wife and refuse to call anybody else a wife because a man can only be married to one wife. Is that yeah. what you do? Or I mean, somebody that is divorced, you know, and unlawfully divorced in our culture. And you know, Jesus says that he never really relinquished his marriage and you know, that he's yeah. actually, you know what? I've had to tell somebody that their uh, first person they were with was their husband. Yeah. I was like, you know, as unmarried, you're both are unmarried. You're still, are you both Christian or professing Christian? Well, if that's true, you're still husband and wife. I've had to say that. Yeah. That's what Jesus says. Well, again. Now, being very respectful and, you know, hopefully going, you know, you know me, but I have to tell you, 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 what God has brought together, let no one separate. Yeah. Yeah. You might get divorced, but that does you're, it's still, that's what Jesus says not God to separate. It adultery. Yeah. Yeah. 
So there, there's still that. That's why there's the gospel. That's that's why there's grace for those people. And that's so, but you still can't deny the truth in that. Yeah. So that's why we have to be very careful either side of the issue, the legalistic issue that doesn't look at grace and the grace issue that doesn't look at the law. You have to have them both together. And so, again, he talked yeah. about going into the tribe, and this was yeah. the, the best the thing. thing. And your wife, Yo, give man, your wife credit wife, right now. My man. wife is so, and she's downstairs, everybody, so I'm going to say this really loud. My wife is such the hot biblicist. She helped me out on this one, and it's awesome. I love you. Anyway, um, we were talking about this so um, with my wife earlier, just because I was like, so Miss, Miss uh, English grammar Nazi type person. Um, if I use the term Molech, if I use the term Bilial, pronouns? Well, those are nouns. I'm like, oh, I know. I'm just making sure. Okay, now the term wife. Pronoun? No, 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 no. That's, that's a noun. I'm like, yeah, I didn't think so. Just making sure. You know, I had to go to an expert. We always got to have yeah. our expert. She's yeah. my expert when it comes to English. But anyway, um, we are, I talked about the situation, you know, would you call those um, other wives adulterous? And ad- adulterers or whatever uh, way we call for the feminine. Adulterous. Since we're recognizing yeah. adulterous. <laughs> that um, adulterous, you know, and she is like, I would call him an adulterer. I'm like, amen. My He's the wife. one going to. So like, why? The... So this is, you know, this is a sidestepped red herring. So you would still call horrible. them his wife, but he's the adulterer. Yes. There you go. So. And yeah. guess what? When you confront him with the gospel, you're going to have to do that. Yeah. And guess who it's going to impact the most? The women. Mm-hmm. In that culture. Yeah. In that situation. But you still have to say the truth to yeah. him. And you can build a relationship with How are those women them? in sin yeah. if he's the one going around from wife to wife to wife? Yeah. And it's the same thing, you know, if we're supposed to be like Christ, you know, Peter recognized that uh, there was something about Christ that made him shy away. So being like Christ, there should be something in our relationship with unbelievers. <laughs> your, your <laughs> Excuse wife me, I'm not a grammar Nazi. <laughs> I have a degree. Well, yeah, you're a you're 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 a high, a high degree grammar Nazi. I mean, those people have they have some education, right? <laughs> Bad school, still an education. Uh, it takes a lot of education to believe lies. Anyway, it's uh, just the state of the institution. <laughs> All right, so we're getting close, yeah. man. So yeah, we're getting we're getting down that rabbit trail. I did not expect this to be yeah. that long. I should no, have. No, this I is really to yeah. It, this but. is really this is really good stuff that we need to deal with. Um, but yeah, we need to recognize bad argumentation whenever we um, hear it. And this is J.D. Greer's totally off on this. And I mean, you know, I don't want to call him out, but I think, again, this is a being afraid of the culture. This is a fear of man and just trying to grasp at straws and arguments um, to then get through this podcast, you know, that he's in. Actually married to this other woman, even though he's divorced her, and the woman he lived with now. So, do you, do you insist on calling the former woman his wife and this current woman the adulteress? Yeah. And like every time that's how you refer yeah. to him. Well, it, it, you know, I don't think there's evidence, you know, for doing that. I think you, I think there's a generosity of spirit that you can communicate there. Um, I a different now, generosity of spirit. And I think it's I, I, that's different generosity of spirit. I don't think that the yeah. other one is generosity of spirit. By yeah. the way, but again, what by what standard is something generous? What's the definition of charity? Yeah, and again, I would say go to the one who is the yeah. And, and you're the saying adultery. the Bible has this. You've already proved bad biblical analogies, so you still haven't made a case 
for what's in the Bible, which means like we're just we're throwing this charity word around with no meaning behind it. That's right. Stop utilizing other people's brains on what they believe charity to be. We are people of the book. God defines reality. You know that, J.D., and so you need to give people definitions of what charity is instead of just saying, well, the Bible and, and you know, so you try. You tried to give this uh, bad analogy, but I'm letting you know that's a false analogy. So, you know, if you hear this, what are you going to do with it now? So I, I, that's the way that I, I would I would lean in this. I would say there's a you know, this is one of those perhaps Romans 14 situations where you're you, know, you need to do what your conscience is yeah. allowing you to do. And if you just really feel like I can't, then I love what, what Andrew Walker says. He says it's probably best to just avoid using a pronoun altogether. Yeah. He said, even though it sounds weird, yeah. he said, but you're not the one that created the weird situation. Yeah. So you just use their name. So yeah. and every time you would say he, I would say. And so that's what and I use the proper name. That's yeah. what Matt said. That's yeah. what you know. So and use the name that they've chosen uh, for themselves and avoid pronouns altogether. Yeah. I think that's probably the most practical way of dealing with it. That avoids both the confusion of affirming and also tries to treat them with respect. But again, I think Christians ought to be. If that's the best way, then why don't you do it? Yeah. Why, why use pronouns? And I mean, I, th- I think, you know, he's definitely sounding very conflicted. And I bet you he is at home, you know, reeling all the time whenever this happens. And so it's just like he needs to work it out. And so we need to give him grace to work this stuff out. Hey, hey right. I'm Everybody right. needs right. to have grace to work this stuff out. We owe each other. I guess, I mean, we owe each other grace because we have been given grace. That's right. That's and unmerited. My hope is that yeah. we have not been too harsh, but we've certainly presented why we believe that yeah. this is not the right way. Again, we have not tried to be demeaning towards him. Yeah. We just say, again, according to Scripture and according to whether we see Scripture and this situation, there is inconsistencies that could lead to further detrimental behavior. Yeah, and so and it's whenever we see that further, whenever we see the use of the pronoun turn into, well, I've got this, he was a woman, but now he's a man. Um, he loved Jesus, but he still believes he's transgender, believes God made him wrong, pretty much. And then uh, I'm going to put him into leadership, Sunday school teacher, or anything, even the lowest of the low ministry position. Now, when that happens, you can have your day, Reformation Charlotte. You can have your day, J.D.D. Hall. That's right. And have fun. But right now, let's be a little bit more... Charitable, actually right on. charitable by hitting the truth and stop calling people heretics over such a small issue. Exactly. And it was a flash. Yeah. Again, it was a dumpster fire that they created yeah. with what Dr. Greer said, and it was false. Did Dr. Greer say some things that I would not have said? And did he do them in a way that I believe is inconsistent? Yes, we've demonstrated that. But no, he did not say it's great to be transgender and, oh man, the SBC should be transgender affirming. No, yeah. not even close. Yeah. Yeah. Let's keep on going. I think we've got a minute 25 left. ...and how they approach this. I don't think there's a definitive once for all time right and wrong yeah. answer. And that generosity of spirit towards the person you're talking to can be true regardless of where you end up landing. But yeah. how we're talking to people should always come from that heart. And to your point of... Yeah, that's good. We should be generous of spirit. Regardless of where you answer this, yeah. we should be generous spirit. And two, we should tell the truth. Yeah. And I think those two things are better yeah, than... So he comes to... I mean, he's got the right conclusion, the right words to say, but he has not... He set up the false dichotomy like it can't happen. And so, JD, this is where we have to hit you. And again, I think it jumps all the way you back the to his saying, well, there's three options here. Yeah. And then bringing it back to and genetics. So, And it comes down to not what scripture. is your method here? What is the single hermeneutic? 
and I hopefully we have supplied it for you guys out there that have heard this, have seen the dumpster fires and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I hope we've provided you that single hermeneutic that you can attack anything. So how you can tell the truth while being relational, not fearing man, and uh, you know let every, every let everybody let God be true and every though everyone is a liar. Um, and and you can have that sort of perspective. Um, and then the thing is, is not having a fear of man, guess what? They're going to turn away. The gospel is foolishness to those who are perishing. The gospel is the smell of death to those who are perishing as well. And so we have to believe the two sides of what the gospel does. Um, the gospel does is the power of salvation for those who believe, but it, again, is the stench of death to those who are perishing. That's right. Um, the gospel will be the last nail in somebody's eternal coffin. Um, because they rejected it, but they were already rejecting God anyway, and they just didn't want the gospel. Yeah. And so with more light comes more damnation, and that's what the gospel is, is the last bit of light that was necessary for our salvation and for our lives um, as believers. So um, don't be afraid when somebody walks away. And I think that's definitely what's the driving force is we don't want people to walk away. We see people all the time, well, the church is diminishing, the church is diminishing. I'm like, that's not what the Bible says. Exactly. Stop believing statistics. Stop believing the media. Believe scripture. Jesus said that it would not, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Are you calling Jesus a liar? So stop acting out of the fear of man. That. And so guess what? Maybe the church might be declining in America. Guess what? It might be bigger somewhere else in its place. There will always be the church. That's right. There were 7,000 men that God didn't allow to bend the knee to Baal. Um, and then Romans 11 talks about how the remnant was still around. The remnant is still around today. If you're going to believe Jesus, believe Jesus and stop acting out of fear. And I think that is definitely what's, you know, poor hermeneutic, poor apologetic approach and fear of man. Dude, you hit it right on. Started yeah. with that list of three and you hit it with the list of three at the end. There you go. Here's the real problem. Yeah, there you go. So, and that's, you know, so let's not do this. Let's uh, repent. Um, Dude, was that the end of it? Oh, well, let's go are bigger than just the pronoun question. Yeah. You will apply it to the pronoun question, but the better thing is to make sure that you have those two attitudes as you approach. There you go. That's great. Well, thanks. And that's it. That's it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we've been through uh, 11, almost 11 minutes worth of JD Greer and everything and all the dumpster fire. You can just uh, throw all those articles away. Yeah. Because and, what we did there was yeah. unpack the entire podcast demonstrate I think that's systematically. The first time that we've actually went from beginning to end of a podcast. And <laughs> yeah. It's only like it's an eight. <laughs> yeah. Lifeway so, leadership. Yeah. That's a good, I mean, yeah. Hey, that's a nice method to do that. But, um, I think that that podcast there would not hurt for them to go back and review. Yeah. That's yeah. my position. Yeah. I'm going to have fun. Uh, listen, re-watching it. We might set up another, uh, watch party. So if you guys want to, if you guys listen, download the podcast, um, if you want to wa- re-watch this with us, one of us might set it up during the week. Um, why not Thanksgiving Day? I sit back and I host a watch party and guys like interact. If you guys have anything to bring, like wa- listen to it, then rewatch it, um, have something preloaded in your head to like type. Maybe we can conversate a little bit, you know, Thanksgiving Day while we're waiting for yeah, and, uh, and again, turkeys and all that kind of I, stuff to be cooked. Man, I just, I... Adam, I'm so appreciative of the way that we that you would work through that and allow me to work through that because again we've been specific and we haven't just did a drive by right yeah. and that's one of the issues that we see unfortunately too often in so many individuals when it comes to polemics and apologetics they don't take the time to actually listen to the full thing yeah we've done that yeah and we've so- affirmed things that were good 
And we've corrected things that were, yeah. were yeah. false. So be quick to think before you meme. Be <laughs> quick to think before you speak. That's right. Be quick to think before you make articles. <laughs> uh, anyway, so yeah. So guys, thank you so much for bearing with us and being with us for way over an hour. Yeah, um, that's okay. Time. I'm glad. And uh, you guys that download the podcast or watch this on YouTube, thank you for your time. Um, I hope this has been edifying to you guys. I hope um, that you know the church can move forward. Anybody that hears this, or I pray that God gives the same sort of ideas um, to other people across the globe, so that they can attack this these issues. Um, the correct way from scripture but then again i got it from scripture and the holy spirit so why can't you and why can't the next guy so what am i worried about so but i hope this has edified you and i hope that this has been a means to edify you and get you guys your brains going in a certain way again that uh, that hermeneutic of god um, and the triune god that revealed himself and has condescended and spoken to us given us revelation so where we can move around and um, deal with this fallen world. So, um, with that said, this is the, the Tag Year podcast. podcast. I wanted to hit yeah. one thing oh, real quick. Yeah. I just wanted to be yeah, like, hey, one more. we one won't more. meet next week. We will no. not be on next week, but we will then, on the 9th and the 16th, do shows back-to-back. We'll actually have two shows on the 9th. Yeah, we'll have the uh, necessity and, of Scripture yeah. and the clarity of Scripture to end the year. Um, with the And then the inerrancy on the 16th. Inerrancy. Yeah, so yeah. we'll end the year with three more little shows. So, um, yes, thank you. Now for we can really do it. <laughs> now let's do it. So this is Tag Your Podcast. I'm Ray Ray. And I'm Dave. And Sully. Deo. Gloria.